So who's gonna do the intro? Mm -hmm. Should I do it or do you wanna do it? Um, I could do it and then like pass it off to you. Yeah, yeah, do, okay. that. do that, do that. So, wait, is Ice just gonna continue looming? <laughs> He's just checking the electric, just treat him as an electric man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you like some tea? Yeah, I'm going to have a coffee or not. Welcome back to the show. I'm joined uh, by Samai Deng Tungtin. In the flesh, I'm staring right that's, into his eyes. Right. We're gazing into each other's eyes right now. This is true. I'm going to have to look away. And uh, on the line, we've got uh, Kay once again. Kay, welcome. Hello. It's me back again. Yeah. Uh, so today, this is a part two of our... Uh, series on Thai foreign relations and particularly focusing on whether or not Thailand was colonized. Now we called the first episode was Thailand colonized and this part one and this is was Thailand colonized part two. Mm -hmm. However, we are doing the uh, 20th century and uh, Samai so said to me, are we going to use that name for part two? Yeah, no one ran it through me. And I said, well, yeah, because I'm going to do my hot take that Thailand oh, was more take, colonized <laughs> in the 20th century than it was in the right. 19th century. Um, okay. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there in the end. Um, but mostly I did not prep for this episode at all. Uh, however, you, uh, you did go on a bit of a I Wikipedia. Did, I did go on a bit of a Wikipedia. Well, I'd always do anyway. Yeah, true. But uh, Samai, uh, you were the, the prepper. Oh yeah, doomsday. The doomsday prepper. Doomsday so, um, do you want to kind of kind of pass this off to you now? Where, yeah. where are we starting? So we like we we left off where um, with uh, Chula Longkorn in power. Yeah. Towards the end of his life. Oh, sorry, and a little bit of housekeeping. Oh. We actually didn't mention that Chula Longkorn was the first uh, Thai king to be educated in the West, which we probably should have mentioned last time, right? Hey, future Gabriel here. Uh, turns out I done goofed. King Chula Longkorn was not educated abroad. I was thinking of King Prajatiprok, the next one, right? But he did go to visit British colonies in India and Malaya when he was young. So there's uh, something to it. And he went, he, he, like, he went to visit those colonies to study them. And, I think, and it says he was quite influenced by that visit. So there you go. I wasn't completely wrong. Um, and also quickly, like just on the next, like I think three or four monarchs, uh, Prajatiprok, who came after, died in the West. Yeah. And number eight, born in the West, I think. Yeah, eight and nine born in. Eight Susan? and nine, I think were both. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, well, number nine was born in America. I'm not sure where number mm -hmm. eight was born. So, so the monarchy is getting a bit cosmopolitan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at this point, um, but we are in a state of. The, the year, the age of the uh, officer corps going to Europe is kind of the era we're yeah, in now. Yeah, and yeah. I wonder where that's going to take us. So, oh. so am I. Well, it definitely doesn't result in the 1930s. Uh, well, just before then even, right, um, you have a change that we mentioned in the, the, the nature of 
foreign policy, which is that the British and French empires began sort of no longer seeing themselves as uh, seeing each other as uh, competing forces. And mm. this causes a bit of concern for um, Tian because they can no longer play them off each other. They now have to sort of treat them as this one mega imperial force. Uh, and then so they enter the, se- the First World War, sorry, um, thinking that the United States, because of its, um, it will, it, the United States talks about how it's going to be this anti-imperialist force and how it's like breaking up empires and stuff. And so they join, um, World War One in, in, oh, sorry, don't bash the table. <laughs> they join World War One in 1917. Three months later, Ta- uh, Siam at the time joins World War One. Uh, and they think that because of this, they're going to get a seat at the table um, after the war is over at the treaty. Um, and they think that just because they're going to be present at the the, the, the the conference table, they will have a say on the future of their borders because they don't want to get, you know, trodden on like um, like the French and the, the, the British did with Sykes-Picot, etc., etc., um, I think it's quite funny the 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 Siamese presence in World War One. How many soldiers? Do you, oh, sorry, Kay, do you remember how many soldiers it was? It was like four hundred soldiers, and they got there after the war was finished, and they still took part in the Paris Victory Parade. Right? It was not much, but usually, like uh, when we study about this, it was act of simple, like act like just as my just say, like to show that Thailand also joined, and Thailand may probably yeah. be able to enter their society, but. It's not really about a number, and it was not that much to it to show symbolically. And at the end, we still be making fun of by how little we gave to them, and that you still ask to be joining our society. Yeah. Mm. But they didn't. They didn't. They didn't fight. No, at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just symbolic. But, but this, this, symbolic. they just went for the victory parade. And this yeah. adds to the idea of like the presenting themselves as Western, right? Because it's like, oh, I'm presenting myself as an ally of Western democracy. Yeah. Right? I'm not sure about the word democracy. Okay, no, I also am not sure about the word <laughs> democracy, but they see themselves as, the, like, the, 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 uh, uh, even, uh, the em- even the empire... A modern, a modern state. As modern states, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, sure. I like and this term, though, like, walking state. with the giant, like, to be walking yeah. Yeah, yeah, the giant. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we are part of them, or maybe uh, like, we belong with their group, their crew, same thing. Even though we don't contribute much. Well, I mean, mostly... Thailand or Siam pretty much just sat out the vast majority of World War One, and to be fair, I mean there wasn't that much fighting in that sphere no. anyway. So it's not until World War Two we and really it, had. The... I mean, well, okay, this is a separate, totally separate topic, but uh-huh. World War One wasn't really a world war. Yeah, it was a European thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know what? I'm not sure about what went on in Latin America, so I can't comment. Oh, yeah, no, but mm, that was... I, would, I wouldn't count this part of the war. Okay, yeah. Um, anyway, that's... Where, where are we at? That's, so that's, so that's, can I can I throw out there as well, like, during... It was... So just before World War One, King Chulalongkorn has died as well, and uh, replaced by Wajira Wood, who, uh, who continues this tradition uh, of sending uh, the officer corps to Europe to study, you know, modern European fighting techniques and 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 uh, tactics and while in europe the officer corps is exposed to all these uh what we'll call uh petty bourgeois nationalist ideas uh some of which were you know fascism um and we've kind of we've done a really deep dive into uh a certain uh officer 
who spent some time there, which was covered in our which one was it? Um, I do not uh, uh, Eurofascism with Thai characteristics. That is definitely the one episode, that is and that was uh, General Pibun who went to Europe in this uh, in this era. So I, I think it's important to remember that the, the this is when this is the age of the the middle to high officer corps. Uh, being influenced by Europe and bringing that influence mm. back to mm. Thailand. Um, yeah, and that just follows on with the idea of this, 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 not elite, elite, but elite class of people who are directing sort of foreign policy. And now um, these people are being trained in Europe and they're sort of uh, absorbing European ideals faster than they would when European ideas had to get. To, so yeah, like, they they were taking it directly. Yeah, exactly, they were taking yeah, it directly, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so they had, um, you know, sort of uh, different views on foreign policy, liberal views, and what we would now call like realist views, fascist um, views. On, on, on yeah, fa- well, no, uh, realist views are on on non on, like like it from an international relations standpoint, realism is a different thing, but it's usually more of like the strong arm conservative uh-huh. fascism. But yeah, anyway, that's besides the point. The point is. What can be demonstrated uh, before I go on to 1932 is that this, no matter what the historical context, um, one way that people will describe Thai foreign policy is like bamboo in the wind. Um, bamboo in the wind is sort of like um, Thai foreign policy is strongly rooted in Thai values and interests, but it has to be flexible enough to sort of bend with the wind and to survive because... Mm-hmm. It, otherwise, it like it, it'll snap off or something, and blah blah blah. Metaphor, metaphor. Yeah, basically, it's just like it's actually not really a good positive term if you think about it. It just say you go That's along true. with anyone who like with any strong wind that come by. So in Thai, we have this term called like, um, two head bird, like not song boy. I mean, like you can either go with that side or that side, yeah. depend on which one that is hitting you more. So that's kind of like... Yeah, 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 yeah. They call it positively, like they call it like flexibility, but in negative terms, it's like really, you just don't have any roots. You just go with anyone who gives you more benefit or give you some viable. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that's exactly... Um, later on, I'll, I'll mention more about this concept. But basically, right, before we reach... The, the revolution of, of the, the coup of 32, as Gabriel might might want to mention, uh, there is obviously this economic relationship with European foreign powers. Um, so so up until until the the coup, the revolution of 32, those uh, agreements that we talked about last week with the British were still in place. And I, I, I do wonder if that was one of the reasons for that revolution. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, well, you know, revolution could be sort of summed down to uh, a series of economic discontents, political discontents, yeah. social discontents. And, you know, that officer call and, that we talked and about the, Yeah, and then that was the, the real push, right? They were like mm. the, sort of the, the people that pushed it. Yeah, I mean, the People's Party saw themselves as modernizers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if I may... So maybe they were trying to... Yeah, go on. Yeah, so, like, um, one factor that I read about is because, of, like, people were discontent with... Uh, especially those bureaucrat and like um civil servant officer, they were so unhappy with um their inability to break down the glass ceiling. Like they can't grow in their career path because like every top position mm-hmm. is like being occupied by um 
monarchy or loyalists, yeah, yeah, all those elite, right? So they feel like it's not fair, and plus the economic and like the external influence from like the Westerner, like the modernization or the shift and change within internal politics. So they thought like, oh, it's a good idea to maybe bring some shame to Thailand, and yeah, especially like what you said, the trigger from the um the student from the Western country come back and they are mm-hmm. so trying to change it, yeah. Well, we 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 also have to remember, right, that um, Sam was connected to the world economy because yeah. of the rice trade. Oh, you're talking about the depression, the Great Depression. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the point. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So, if you want to talk about in, yeah. an international link between what was the the shit show though existed in Sam mm-hmm. in you know the very tail end of the 20s, so 29, and then 30, then 31, and then obviously 32. Um, well, there's no other thing to look at. Well, there is. Well, there are other things to look at. But, <laughs> but one of the key things to look at is definitely yeah. it's um, the fact that it was ravaged by um, also the Depression. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, I think it was really bad, but... I'm not quite sure too, probably as I might say, but I, I, I think I want to add on this, like, you know, there is always this saying in Thailand, how like the Siam Revolution was something like that too early to happen. Like Thai people always say mm. that. I'm not sure how to phrase it in English, but they you say like... says that? Yeah. Jars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, um, so people were saying like, um, Thailand are not ready for that revolution yet we are too young for democracy or for changing right but if you look like um historical context and etc etc i quote this from one of my good friends she's um a political historical researcher and she said like it's actually not something too early and there are a lot of factor like if this idea of changing has been going on for many years already but they haven't yet to surface on the society so it's not actually something like early for thailand and they, there have already have been a lot of sign saying like oh they're going to be a revolution revolution but it's just not happened yet until that 1932 yeah mm. so briefly i mean we've covered it before but should i just give you like a really quick rundown of 32 um you can do brief rundown. yeah so uh as we very much alluded to earlier we have uh that there was this uh, alliance of military officers and civil servants, civil society, who formed a coalition called the Kanat Ratsadon or People's Party, who took power. Well, the military faction were very useful in performing a coup, uh, which kicked out King Prajatiprop and installed a civilian government for the first time in the country's history. Uh, King Prajatiprok initially remained in the kingdom with very limited constitutional powers. And this is a great, you know, many constitution era, which continues to today. <laughs> and uh, and then the the Kanat Rasadon People's Party descended into infighting between the two factions, the civilian faction and the military faction. The military faction, within the military faction as well, there was infighting yeah. and... Through the 1930s, out out the, out of the end of the 1930s comes uh, people, uh, Field Marshal people, who who we've done a whole episode on. So yeah, mm-hmm. go and listen to that. And uh, and then on the other side, the civilian faction is uh, pretty uh, comes out on top of the civilian faction, but gets well. He got when did he get exiled? That was well, during World first. War II. He gets tried to being a communist. Yes, mm-hmm. which he, he wasn't. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, influenced, yes, but yeah, yeah. anyway. And uh, in 33, well, yeah, didn't take long. In 33, <laughs> uh, uh, Pretty goes into exile. Um, although he will return, as I'm sure you know from listening to all of our previous episodes. So, um, and th- this, this is the era which we described as uh, Thai fascism or Eurofascism with Thai characteristics, as we said it. And uh, it's the real rise of uh, Pibun, who implements uh, very Mussolini-esque policies. The, the or, term is, um, they, they, for, for, as far as economics, they like using the phrase economic nationalism. Right, and this is important because uh, with the rise of Pibun, that's the end of the Bernie Treaty, which we talked about earlier in the last episode. Yeah. So... Uh, obviously, a, a a nationalist fascist is is gonna not be so chill with the British running, having a monopoly on trade of the country. Not to mention the French encroachment historically, and so in comes this new economic policy uh, from from people. Um, and then the war with France, which we also mentioned in the yep, episode. We did. But um, Kay, do you want to give us a quick rundown of the war with France? Which one, the Indochina or? No, the, the, the one uh, when um, people attacked France to get uh, Champasak. Oh, shit. Damn, you don't know. Okay. Which one is it? it? Yeah, well, you know, after the fall of France in Europe... Um, well, World War Two. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so World War Two begins. Uh, at this point in time, Thailand hasn't made a, made a decision. They've, they're, pre- they're, they're neutral at the minute. But... Uh, with the fall of France and Europe, um, Vichy France couldn't really, they didn't have much like control over the, the colonies. So Indochina was still operating underneath like the governorship of, of like a free France type thing. Um, which I then. So, right. It's, it's, I, I tried to read up about what, what the French colonies did once, once Vichy France. Well, what I mean is like they weren't like on the Axis side. Like Vichy France was. I think they depended on what particular colonial, like, uh, administrators you had. Ah, yeah, ah, it was really complicated. Shit. It's a really complicated history. You can't, like, paint it with brush Right, okay, okay. But still, as for, you said, for the purposes, Indochina was very weak. Indochina was yeah, weak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, because they didn't have any way to get anything from anyone. In France. In France. Yeah. Right. So, people sees this as an opportunity to seize um, a bit of land that had been ceded uh, to the French. Um, the ones we talked about. The ones we talked about in the, the last, in the last episode. episode. Uh, and so, you know, he, he declares war. Um, it's going. It's fine. Oh, the, the Thais did very well. Yeah, actually, exactly. In that war. But because the French were in chaos. Exactly. So it's like kicking at someone when they're down. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, uh, Japan obviously is in the region. They're doing the their imperialism. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and they reach Indochina, and they're like, "Hey, um, let's let's cool it. Thailand wins. You can, <laughs> yeah. Um, but let let let's call it a day." Uh, and then it was kind of opportune timing, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People because was like, the Japanese basically well, arrived like at the peak of the mm, war, I guess, or mm, yeah, mm. or when it was, yeah. Well, yeah, they had sent a gunboat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was clear what was the the, the Japanese occupation was impending. Yes, and we see again. You know, we see this Thai classic foreign policy of oh, we'll just go with the big power in the region and make friends with them. 
um, because, you know, the Japanese have been pushing westwards. There had been the fall of Singapore, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia. They, they, I mean, the, you know, the Japanese just swept across Southeast Asia. And by the time they reached Thailand, it, it, it was clear the Thais wouldn't stand a chance if they were to put up a fight. And uh, so they immediately capitulated. There was a very brief uh, bit of fighting between the Japanese and the Thais, right? I don't know the story, but I know that what happens is that people in Israel are around to accept like the whole um, alliance with Japan thing. Where when... was he? Fuck knows. Okay. Uh, I don't know where he was. Um, he was probably somewhere like I think Europe. If I remember correctly, it was about a 20-minute war between Thailand and Japan. Something like that. And then the, the Thais, you know, capitulated yeah, and yeah, accepted yeah. the occupation. Well, yeah, people and gets back and he's like... Just, 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 just let them just in. Surrender. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, at least that's what I recall. Yeah. yeah. And like, so, and so begins the Japanese occupation. Yeah. yeah but during the Japanese occupation, like the people were not that much happy, and we always heard about the story. Oh yeah, for sure. They, they like, um, they were on not onto alive, but they were like barbarian and like the treating of Thai people and using them as a slave and all those like the. Railway of hell, the the train railway thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is always that wasn't everywhere. Thai people though. That was that was POWs, exactly. and, and Malay. No, and, oh, Malay. oh, you know what? The Malays get written out of that oh, stuff shit. so much. Yes, like the the Japanese were using like uh, hmm. Malay people as slaves, totally in yeah, Thailand. Totally. I I don't know. I wonder how much that that perception of the Japanese occupation is kind of revisionist, because hmm. at the time. Hmm. I don't know. There wasn't a particularly strong Japanese presence in Thailand, and, yeah. and compared to a lot of other countries, they were pretty light on Thailand. Yeah. To be honest, I, yeah. I I do wonder how much of that is kind of revisionist, but well, hard to say. Hmm. I think that the thing with the Japanese presence is that they kind of just wanted to take one country out of the picture in terms of having to fight and invade another country, right? Yeah. And then they, and then they also yeah. needed the... Ra- they just needed somewhere to... Because they needed to build their railways. They needed the base, Thailand. you know. Like yeah, because they needed to get to, to, to Burma. Yeah. They wanted to, to, to get into, into Burma. Well, well, they wanted a confrontation with the British, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like with people in action of like, actually like, you know, going along with them, letting them in as such, giving a Japanese kind of like... Um, a little bit lenient attitude toward Thailand back in those days, so it was not different from how they're yeah. treating the other. And but yeah, in like mass media and in the history, according to what I know, they still picture as something really bad back in those days. Yeah. But it was not that. I feel like Thai people and the World War One, World War Two, are not doesn't have that much connection with like in, in terms of like educational system. We are more yeah, like, yeah, yeah. on like the king and his achievement. I would say. Yeah, I think, as you said, like, I think you said it in the last episode as well, there's kind of a policy in the Thai education system to kind of write international affairs out of Thai history. So the way it's kind of perceived in Thailand is, oh, the Japanese show up for, you know, three or four years. It's not really connected into this wider picture. Like, like World War Two is not really taught very much at all in the Thai um, Yeah. In the in the Thai hence why everyone wears Nazi stuff. Well, yeah, that was a hot trend <laughs> exactly. back in like two thousand and eight. Yeah, um, but yeah, I completely do agree with that. Thailand was not taught that much. Even like, I feel like they're also trying to, um, you know, keep the relationship with Japanese on a good term. That's why they don't put anything evil on the educational 
Platform. Oh, yeah, the Japanese get really offended if you mention yeah. their war crimes. Like the so. non-manjing, non-ging? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Which and we, never happened. Which never happened. Um, no. I'm cutting that. Um, <laughs> oh, the cats are being so loud. Okay. So actually, just a couple of things in World War Two that, again, often get overlooked, which was the British did actually bomb Thailand. Um during World War Two, they bombed, uh, I think, Samutprakan and Songkla, maybe. I can't remember. There's a couple provinces. Or Trap. Trap, I think, was bombed. Um, Trap. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, Trap. Yeah. <laughs> um, he can do it. He I can, can do it. I just <laughs> feel weird about like, doing the Thai accent. Yeah, I get it. I, get I could it. speak in a Thai accent the whole time if you want me to. <laughs> Um, okay, okay, Japon. <laughs> the next thing that happened was oh my God. Um, get the, yeah, <laughs> uh, um, right. So, so towards the end of of, of World War Two, uh, Pibun, who has closely allied himself, obviously, with the Japanese, uh, he pretty much gets internally deposed by other aspects of the military Ratsudon faction who saw, again, how the winds were changing mm-hmm. and that the, the Allies were basically going to win the war, right? Yeah. So um, they depose Pibun and usher in, essentially, the, the, the West into Thailand uh, mm-hmm. towards the end of World War Two. See? Ah, we need to talk about the monarchy as well. Who wants to, who wants to go to jail? No, definitely not. You, you, can, you can do that. <laughs> Okay, so um, uh, for World War Two, it was pretty much uh, sat out by the Thai monarchy. King Prachatiprok had uh, the exiled King Prachatiprok had died in London, and uh, Rama Eight, who was Bhumipon's older brother, was the I guess king in waiting. When did when did Prachatiprok die? Uh, Forty one. Forty one. Mm. Um, and actually, they were in they were in the US, right, for World War Two, and then after World War Two, they moved to Switzerland. And uh, how to how to talk about this stuff? Um, the the you know we've mentioned this on on the previous episode again, um, but the the Thai royals kind of were always foreseeing, look, looking, looking for ways to get back into the country, to get back into the to the throne room, right? Yeah. Um, and so that that's just worth bearing in mind when we talk about the restructuring of Thailand post World War Two, because you know we said that Thailand was a uh, you know essentially like a, a Japanese ally was it was an Axis country in World War Two. However, when the U.S. comes into Thailand. Uh, because you know the British are now going into chaos with the whole empire falling apart thing. The the US are coming to Thailand, and the US put a lot of pressure and successfully able to get Thailand listed as not being an Axis member, mm. um, which was an important designation, which essentially meant that the Ratsudon party could stay in charge yeah. and wouldn't be tried for any. Part of that was because um, was it Truman? Yeah, I was Truman. Yeah. yeah, Truman at the time was like, "Oh, we recognize the government in exile in Washington," mm. and they didn't because de- it's like people declared war on on US and UK. Yeah, right. Um, just before Japan got there, and just before they invaded, 
Okay. And but the American government was like, we don't recognize this declaration of war as legitimate right, because right, we right. Re- recognize the government in exile as yeah. the legitimate government. Which was pretty, right? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So, so I, that that's very important because even then there is like this realpolitik thing where the U.S. Ultimately, now is concerned about the the rise of communism in Southeast Asia, and this is really going to be the main focus of this episode, even though we've gone on for quite a while already. <laughs> um, so Truman basically, uh, or, or the US, uh, basically, how to say, sees sees an ally in the military faction of the People's Party in terms of their anti-communism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, their anti-communist uh, potential. Yeah, yeah. Potential. Yeah, that's for sure. Obviously, after World War Two and with the growth of the Warsaw Pact, um, we had NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which for the most part made sense in its name because it was mainly member nations from the North Atlantic in a treaty. That was an organization. But... There was also the uh, establishment of the Southeast Asian Treaty Organization in 54. Uh, but the only two like Southeast Asian countries were Thailand and the Philippines. Yeah, so there's only two. Uh, precisely. Um, and the Philippines, they were just like, they had just been in, uh, imperial subjects of the United States. Um, and they were still basically very much under the sway of uh either their interests or the interests of the dictator. Well, this was um, Marcos, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Thailand was uh, was basically like, the the way they called it was NATO's, was it a non-NATO major ally? No, no, no. No, that was, that was a designation in 2004. Oh, that was... Miles a, off. Really? Yeah. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. But anyway, that regardless of what they actually called it, they were NATO's biggest ally in Southeast Asia. Yeah, that, Thailand or the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Thailand basically was the Asian branch of NATO. Yes. Um, and and this is this is the this is the start of the US build up. Yeah. In in Thailand. Yeah. And over the next so when we 1940, 50, 60, 70. Yeah. Over the next thirty years, we would essentially see Thailand become a US colony in Southeast <laughs> Asia. Yeah. Right. Yeah, people would hate when you say that, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, there were fifty thousand American military personnel in Thailand, and likely far, far more. Uh, the, the Thai army was essentially, I mean, almost totally subsumed on, under U.S. control. Um, yeah. So. I'm, I'm not going to do like a big Southeast Asian Cold War history because it will take too long. But uh, let's just say. The Vietnam, the invasion of Vietnam. You mean the War of American Aggression? The War of American Aggression. I believe. No, I'm just going to skip ahead. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to skip ahead a bit because we don't want to talk about the monarchy because I, it, you know, using the beep button on the edit is too much work. I can't <laughs> call it. You know, that's why. Um, yeah. So if we if we skip ahead to where it gets really interesting, um, so so you know, as we mentioned, you know, the start of the 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 Cold War, Thailand's. Uh, this is something you mentioned um, before, okay, uh, which is the that the Thai army was never really used in a combat role historically. Yeah. It was used for diplomatic overseas. purpose. Exactly. But 
Here we have the synthesis of the diplomatic purpose and the actual combat role, which is when Thailand sent troops to Korea in the 1950s. Yeah. yeah. Well, they sent 11,000 troops to, to Korea. Which is quite it's a, just, substantial, that's a substantial amount yeah, yeah, yeah. because during the Vietnam War, they sent 11,000 troops to Vietnam that's as well. Right, yeah. And that's about 15% of the military at the time. At the time. Mm. So if you think about the well, how many people um, were in the army during the Korean War, 15% is probably, it's probably more like 30, 20, 25%, 11,000, right? Because they haven't grown. So they sent a significant time. portion of their yeah. military to yeah. Korea. So it, they it wasn't like a, a detachment. It was an entire, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Also, it wasn't really a big thing. And there was a monument, like, regarding this um, soldier who had passed away in Korean, the Korean conflict, too. I remember in Bangkok. I don't know where. I'm not sure. Yeah. How is how is the the war the hostilities towards Korea perceived in Thailand? Oh, I don't think there is any anymore. Like, I don't think there is any. I think people forget in Thailand about the Korean War. Oh, it's the same here as well, to be honest. Really? In, well, in oh. the UK, in the US, like people don't really. I mean, Mash did a lot of work, but other than that, <laughs> um, the Korean War, the the hostilities towards Korea is not really. Yeah, it's, it's overlooked for sure, right? So same in Thailand. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I doubt any Thai like even know about any other yeah. conflict outside of Thailand. Yeah. The the weird thing from my point of view before we start talking about the Vietnam War. Mm. Is like the Vietnam War made sense for Thailand to get involved from like a Thai interests a protectionist, view, right? Yeah, because it's like trying to protect the region of Southeast Asia um, from the encroachment of communism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Korea, well, this just shows how how it's ages away. <laughs> that's how it just shows how keen they were to cozy up to their new friends in mm. USA and NATO, mm. right? Part part of it is also like obviously post war. I mean, obviously, yeah. Thailand wasn't, like, decimated by the war, right? World War Two, Yeah. Certainly not. But mm-hmm. they wanted some, a piece of that action, right? Yeah. So, because yeah. Um, in Europe, you had the Marshall Plan, obviously. Uh-huh. But they were also like, hmm, maybe if we sort of put ourselves on the Americans' side, they'll give us some money and shit. Well, there, there's <laughs> an interesting quote. Um I can't remember who it's from. I think it's from Pretty or someone like that talking about people and... And uh, Pretty said, I think it was Pretty, or was one of these, you know, uh, civil like diplomatic types like in that. the Kanat Rasidon, said that, oh, uh, people absolutely would have sided with the Soviet Union. Were they the ones in the area with the with the power at the time, you know? Hmm. Um, yeah, That checks out. That checks that out. That checks out. I feel like you, what you say before, like, kind of makes sense, though, because, like, Thailand, after the World War II, they gained this, like, ambiguous, status of a state they were either like a victory or either lose the war so they were like kind of in between and when they were trying to join the uh, united nation right so i think some of the major power kind of veto us out i'm not sure which one so like thailand i feel like thailand have this like um they need to prove themselves but i'm not sure like if it's to the extent sending like 15 percent of our army yeah um, so we should, we should get to the big one, which is the, the US aggression on Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so French, Indochina, well, we don't need to, we don't need to do too much background. I think people already know. Um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, communist activity in the region. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, 
And so, so Thailand is essentially the perfect staging point for the U.S. to carry out this aggression on communist insurgencies in or communist movements in Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. Um, so, in the 1950s and 60s, you start to see this massive buildup of uh, U.S. air bases in Thailand. Uh, first, Don Mueang, Udon. Ubon and then Utapau is essentially constructed yeah. even specifically for the U.S. to use as a staging point for their hostilities in the region. Yeah. Um, not to mention internally, we see uh, the Sarit dictatorship. Can you give us a little Sarit background, Kay? Um. So he came to power, and then he kind of like invited U.S. in to solidify his own. Glory and his own Ooh. his own um, status quo in Thailand. If you put it that way, that's 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 an interesting way to put it because I would more put it as in the US kind of got him in so that they could invite their sel- themselves in, right? Uh, it's global based. I feel like a little okay. car city, but maybe maybe I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. they uh, he built himself from US uh, supply, and one other mm. thing I don't know if I can mention this one. He bring back. I can beat it. US, yeah. Bring back. Is it okay to talk about it? Oh, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, talking yeah. about the US. You're not the active agent now. Is the yeah, US, yeah, yeah. So... That's the active agent is the US. Don't worry, so you're Don't fine. Worry. That's fine. Yeah, I mean the US. The US were the were the. Well, okay. Let's put it this way. How to put it, actually. <laughs> I don't know. Who's trying to be careful about who I say the active agent is? So, okay, let's just say that at the same time there are these. Free convergences of power. power, which is the Thai military, the Thai monarchy, mm-hmm. and the U.S. military. Yeah. And there's a moment when Sarit Tanarat uh, uh, undertakes a coup in 1957, and all of these free, what do we call them? Forces. All of these free forces seem to come together in perfect harmony in 1957. Um, at the same time, and read into that how you want. Some people have written some books about it, none of which I would ever read because it's all uh, lies and slander. Mm-hmm. So, Sarit's dictatorship was known for being, you know, rather brutal, right? Yeah. But um, if we talk about his relationship with America, they did quite establish a lot of uh, structural or foundation for Thai, modern Thai, you know, with the capitalism mm. coming in to work, fully capitalism. I feel like we see the initiative of bringing capitalism, like US capitalism, during the people period, right? But then it began to like really, really dug the root, dig the root in during the phase. And I feel like um, um, a lot of development happened with the US aid during Soviet, like you see the Pan uh, the development plan, and mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. um, what is that thing? The urban planning of yeah, Bangkok yeah, yeah. also happened yeah, during yeah. during those his region range going on. So yeah, we can see a lot of close relationship going on, and how U.S. actually come in with his like oh aid thing or uh, for developing country. Well, I can yeah. I say like the the developing aid thing? I mean, that's literally just developing capitalism, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, to spread. Yeah. It's 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 yeah. It's it's it's. It's pushing Thai capitalism forward quicker, 
right through these these u.s programs and this u.s money as well yeah based right. accelerationism uh-huh. um well so, basically because they feel like you know if the country got a good good economic they won't fall into communist domino effect etc etc but yeah we all know it's just like um the u.s trying to spread their own system i would say of course and i also want to mention that uh, you've also got the uh the long march and the chinese communist revolution at this point as well. So um, this is starting to put the fear in, right? <laughs> in the Asian sphere. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's like the Americans perceive that developing Thailand would prevent them from falling to the communists, uh-huh. the same way that the Thai state then went on to develop regions of Thailand to prevent them from turning yeah, to the Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like we see the, the genealogy of, um, of strategy. Of development, yeah, yeah. developmental, yeah. Um, what do they call it? I don't know. Developmentalism, or what? Are they, what are people who people who study development studies? What do they? What do they call it? Developmentalism. Nerds. Yeah. Uh, developmentalism, in my view, is like the idea that we have to develop the economy, or it's like the ideology of developed versus developers, yeah. developing. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. That, anyway, yeah. anyway, that, the, yeah. But that is when, like, when when uh, democracy turned out to be the only game in town, isn't it? Like it was the period where they pushed this idea. Right to the region and try to establish it because it, during the Cold War, the free camp they try to establish it and we see the um, democracy consolidating periods later on, right? Huh? No, I thought I, this was. I caught some of that. I yeah, I, I, that. I, I'm not with you there because Sarit was a ruthless, unelected dictator. I know, I know, but like, you see, with the this like initiative trying to, like, US trying to implant their seed, like, slowly, gradually. So they're trying to, like, plant the democracy in game in town later on. But like slowly, because back in those days, communists were still the threat, so they haven't paid attention yet. So they just bring in only like capitalism. But then later on, they 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 trying to like push in democracy. It's like a step, baby step, is it? I I I see it kind of differently. I I I see I see the U.S. seeing a useful Thailand as a use a particularly useful communist uh, uh, a particularly useful anti-communist ally because because of the monarchy. Oh, we don't have to push this democracy bullshit because we can say, oh, yeah. no, the Thai people want a strong yeah. monarchy and yeah, no yeah, elected anything. They, they don't want it. They, they yeah. want to be ruled by their demigod. You know, we don't we don't need to, to push this democracy bullshit, yeah, which yeah. is which which often bit them bit them in the ass because they would they would push like democracy and then the people would vote for like a communist party. Yeah. In, yeah. in a lot of the post-colonial countries. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. OK, OK. No, no um, that makes sense because like. A lot of the the reasoning for the anti-communism or the the sort of the justification that the various dictators gave to like cozy up with the Americans and then later to join the war against Vietnam, uh, against North Vietnam, the true and rightful only Vietnamese, um, was that communism was the antithesis of Thai society. Yes, right? it was. It was atheistic. It was um, non-hierarchical in theory. Um, the United States. They just wanted the anti-communism part of of yeah. Thai society. They didn't really mind about the whole whether or not course, they were democratic or not. Mm. It it was more about just trying to get as many more more chess pieces on yeah. the board. Just like Latin America. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So with uh Sarit in power, mm-hmm. this was uh this this was like as we as as we mentioned before, this this was really the US taking control of Thailand entirely, its economy, as you mentioned, Kay, mm-hmm. uh, militarily as well. 
and it and and Thailand was used as the the diving board for Indochina. So as communist insurgencies began to spread into Cambodia and Laos as well, you see you see uh, the rise of Air America, right? Yeah, um, yeah, which is quite an important part of anti-communist history. Um, so Air America is formed um, in the late forties to send food and supplies to to, to war ravaged China. Um, well, to to the mainly Chinese fascists. Uh, yeah, mainly sorry. to obviously the Kuomintang. Then Air America finds a new purpose as the CIA's clandestine uh, uh, like airline. Yeah, so like the, the 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 American government didn't have authority to do these bombing runs yeah. in in Cambodia and in Laos uh, using so they, using anything like else. They had to like they had to use own, a private company. They had to, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it was a front company for yeah. the CIA to do an illegal bombing campaign. And I we kind of have to underscore how big this bombing campaign was. It was a pretty... It was, um, was it more bombs dropped fact, on Laos? Here's, here's the fact. Here's yes. the fact. More bombs were dropped on Laos than, I think... In the European sphere in World War II. In the European II. sphere in World War II. Yeah. That is correct. So so it was from Udon, from Ubon, from Utapau, all in Thailand that these rounds were completed over Laos and basically just decimating yeah. Last I checked, Lao. it was the densest... Like high highest density of bombs, mm. um, it per like in, in a country, mm. yeah, and, and and also Cambodia, yeah, very important. Yeah. And uh, not to mention, meanwhile, uh, the Thais are essentially uh, helping to facilitate this these bombing runs, also helping to train anti insurgent death squads, yeah, yeah, which are going yeah. into Cambodia, the, 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 the which are going army. into Laos, the secret army. Ah, oh, the secret right. army. Ah, yeah. the secret army. <laughs> yeah. So not, not not so secret after all, but the so secret, secret army, um, they were mainly actually people talk about how them they were loads of Hmong, right? There were loads of Hmong. But a large bulk of the secret army were indeed Thai, uh, yep. Thai, Thai, Thai people. They weren't necessarily soldiers, but um, people. Thai who death squads. Yeah, they were just Thai death squads. Yeah. So they just um, took a, as many people um, as they could in, in the in, in, on, on the border region with, mm-hmm. with Lao, and were like, "Hey, we'll pay you, we'll pay money you to money go and, and kill and, villagers yeah. who." And are, because yeah. because of the economic conditions, it's like money. Yeah. You know, uh, and 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 that's that's how they uh, that's how the CIA sort of manipulates um, people's good interests is because they they just um, they appeal to to the fact that they're poor. They're poor. Um, yeah. Also, the secret army again completely facilitated by Thailand mm. because mm. you know I I uh, maybe I'm wrong here, but I don't think that the CIA operatives are. Uh, wow, what you say, and I, uh, probably <laughs> yeah, not. Yeah. Speaking or, of phone companies, CIA actually yeah. have like a phone company like that, like doing like supplier trade with Thailand. That actually is a company that like subsidized the military operation in Thailand. So like they secretly give money to Thai to train or to buy weapons and etc. etc. Under yeah, the yeah, name yeah, of like yeah, a phone yeah. company. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they were doing all kinds of shit with these front companies, which were registered in Thailand. As well as Thai companies, so 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 essentially, you've got Thai people, Thai military from the bottom to the top of the whole uh, military order uh, supporting this 
hostility yeah. towards towards Laos, towards Cambodia, and towards Vietnam. Yeah, and, and, and during yeah, during no. that time, during the, the sort of the undercover covert operations on Indochina, in Indochina, sorry, about twenty two thousand military personnel from like Thai military personnel were involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's clearly more. It's right? a significant. There's, I yeah. mean, that, that's quite a that's quite a few, but also. That's definitely not all of them. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Um, also, uh, I, I'm very. It's very hard to find information about this as well. Like, there's always this narrative. This the story of the secret army is always very. No, no, no. It's not that secret. <laughs> know, it always focuses on like the the Hmong. Yeah, and that. yeah. That's all yeah. you can read about, and then it mentions Thai's involvement. But it's very hard to find numbers. So even even this history is 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 really not been uncovered yet. And that's a project there for someone um, in Cambodia as well. And, and as we said, explicitly in Vietnam, in terms of uh, tens of thousands of Thai troops fighting in yeah, Vietnam. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, how, how is this perceived in, in Thailand? <laughs> you mean like the war? The, um... Sorry, I'm getting like a really loud hum. Really? Oh, shit. Yeah, he's here. <laughs> the GI era. You were going to say what, what, how the GI era is perceived, and if anybody knows about Thailand's involvement in Vietnam, Laos, I love and the Cambodia. Music. Okay, um, so it was it was portrayed as something as a, a Thailand advancement in development. We got the developed plan. We got a really really high GDP, etc. etc. We got like something. People wearing nice clothes, dancing, and it was such a happy time, isn't it? Like it was portrayed as something uh, good. So people doesn't really have that much um, negativity against GI. But yeah. I'm not saying like major. I just say majority of them. But there are also some issues like how they come in and abuse and like use their the white farang kind of like status uh, toward the Thai people in the society. But overall, it was it was really good time period. Uh, but I think well, it was portrayed it, as one. It was portrayed as one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for putting that way. Uh, but yeah, toward the end, I feel like it was not so good anymore. Thai people have begun like some yeah. resentment. I was I was gonna make that point as uh, well because like yeah, from like a kind of moderately open perspective, it was probably like fine. Yeah, I mean yeah. you know the cities boomed, right? Well, yeah, because yeah. um, Thailand was obviously the biggest um location destination for US GI. R and R. Yeah, so um, this yeah. is this is the birth of Petya, right? And, and as I was <laughs> as I was saying to Gabriel last night, when I think of Thailand and the Vietnam War, I think about um, that scene when Frank Lucas in American in, Gangster in, in, in the movie American Gangster, where Frank Lucas's uh, white GI friend is like yeah. speaking Thai. <laughs> in, on the drama, like, where he's um, like trying to negotiate a, a deal to get a drama. Yeah, 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 he speaks such bad Thai. He speaks such bad Unlistenable. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, and the subtitles don't match up with yeah, what yeah, he's yeah, saying yeah, yeah. Exactly. as well. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it was it was exactly as that. Like people, I feel like people got distracted by the 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 the, the picture, the, the portrayal of modernization, yeah. and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the city, yeah. how like the dancing and everything, right? So they mm-hmm. don't really, really mm-hmm. mind the. Um, involvement in the conflict or the war that much. So I think this is. I I also want to focus as well on, on what was going on in the north because this is the the golden triangle era as well, right? So as we mentioned before in the last episode, there were regions of 
Siam, Thailand, which were not necessarily under the control of Bangkok. And that continued into very much well into the 20th century and even 21st century. So the north of Thailand, uh, I'm talking about uh, Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai, Mae Hong Son, even like Piao, Nan, uh, Pre were semi-autonomous, you could say. Not in the sense that they had local governance, but in the sense that the Thai state just didn't have much of a presence there. And so that's how the the growth of opium really was able to flourish in Thailand. Uh, also, uh, largely because of uh, uh, US GIs using opium and smoking opium. Yeah, um, so... So speaking of, you know, American gangster, that's... Yeah, that's again, that's exactly, about. exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So you have, uh, like, for example, Khun Sa being the famous one, right? Um, and we should do a whole episode on, on the Golden Triangle. We absolutely will at some point as well. So you have, like, Khun Sa, for example, um, who had a huge autonomous zone that was controlled by the uh, Mong Thai army. Uh, predominantly Shan, but they, they, large amounts of their territory was in northern Thailand, in Chiang Rai, in Chiang Mai. Um, there's a lot of talk as to how much of a CIA asset he was, on and off for sure, friendly with the CIA. And absolutely, the CIA were running opium, selling opium in northern Thailand, uh, buying and selling. So... Uh, it, 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 if you think about like Narcos, the TV show, it, uh, it's, it's that in Northern Thailand. Um, it's, it's absolutely the same playbook. So the CIA were running anti-communist operations in Northern Thailand and to fund these operations, because, you know, they never thought they were getting enough funding from the US <laughs> government, they would trade opium um, and also right. to enrich themselves as well, right? Um, and, and, and so would the Thai, Thai military as well, no question. Um, I have spoken to, I think I probably mentioned this before, um, several people who were working in the far north of the country back in the 60s and 70s and heard stories about like helicopters with Farang, like military, well, they're Huey, right? Helicopters with Farang on, like landing in a village uh, filled with guns and leaving filled with opium. Yeah. Um, the Guns for Drugs program yeah, guns for has drugs. been a staple of the CIA. I, that's when it was like founded. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, from there, yeah. it's a staple from this other yeah, 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 yeah. And mostly it was anti-communist, and but you know also you know self enrichment as well. Um, and of course, the local people suffer from mm. this. You know, there's a lot there in the Golden Triangle era that that I want to talk about more. But um, for the sake of time, let's save it for another episode. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So just just to kind of underscore uh, how US-centric Saritz regime was, there's this really great article in the Tri-Continental, which was, you know, the communist international uh, magazine, which was big in the 60s and 70s. And it's kind of a, it's, it's, I'll put a link in the, in the, podcast description can i just say we love you vj please come on the show we love you vj prashad oh yeah we really should <laughs> oh let's get vj on the show okay yeah yeah, 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 yeah of course yeah, we should yeah. get vj on the show nice um so there's this great article in there it's in, it's in an edition from 1969 and it's basically just uh 
is a kind of overview of uh, Thailand's collaboration with the USA. And there's just one really great quote in here. Uh, I'm just going to read read it. Um, Without a doubt, Thailand is one of the most faithful in carrying out orders from Washington. There, therefore, there is no doubt but what Marshal Kitikachon Tanon was completely sincere when he said that the United States could consider Thailand the 51st state. Yep. So, I mean, like, look, this is kind of alluded to at the beginning, what I alluded to at the beginning, which is that yeah. I, I think that Thailand, if we're ever going to say partly colonized, this has got to be the peak of mm. partial colonization. Um, it's so partially colonized. I mean, it's, all, it's entirely colonized, <laughs> that is, right? Um, so uh, I think, yeah, more so than under the British, I would say, in this era. What do you think, Kerr? Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, like, to mm. consider yourself as, like, a, like the 51st state of the US, like, come on, man, that's so in your sovereignty. Like, if you say this now, you probably get in, like, cancel culture and be like... And, and it's like, yeah, so there's a physical presence, there's an economic mm-hmm. relation to the West, mm-hmm. and then there's also the cultural element. And there's basically freedom of US people to come into Thailand and act with impunity yeah. as well, when we, when we see what the GIs and their friends were doing in Thailand. Mm-hmm. So, so, so yeah, uh, on more fronts than the British and the French, mm-hmm. th- this is really the age of uh, colonization. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. this 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 leads us up to uh, the uprising in seventy three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, at this point, Sarit has died and has been uh, yeah taken over uh, by Tanon, and uh, this popular movement uh, led by students, workers, uh, lots of people from the working class uh, manages to oust Tanon. And it's interesting when you go back and you read through some of the journals and you listen to some of the popular music, there is a lot of anti-American sentiment in there. American antarai. See, that that came later. (laughs) I know. But yeah, America antarai. But that was like... But that's a callback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I do think in part the uprising in 73 was very much, uh, 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 anti-imperialist one. Oh, it definitely was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've, we've talked about 73 before. Uh, this was, you know, the b- brief flourishing of Thai democracy with very left-wing elements in it. Um, simultaneously, this is the withdrawal of combat troops from Vietnam and uh, the eventually the fall of Saigon in 75, Phnom Penh in 75, and Wienjang, uh, Vientiane, the capital of Laos, in 75. So this is, this, this looks like the domino theory coming true. And it kind of was, right? Um, and so, so the US still had their bases in Thailand. And, uh, then there was this popular pushback when, when the US, uh, do, do you want to tell the story? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so there was this, like, Mayagas incident. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but, like, apparently Mayagas is the name of a, a ship or a boat. It's like a tanker. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Which was, uh, get hijacked by um, the Khmer, right? The Cambodian. Khmer Rouge. Yeah, and so the U.S. was like, no, we can't let this happen. So they immediately, like, they sh- dispatched their army that drew from uh, the Okinawa base to... Utapau, and I'm not sure about the other base name, 
Uh, apparently, they did that without consulting with um, the civilian government. The new the civilian government. Yeah. Right? So they were still acting like they had their military strong man in charge, and the Thais were like, yeah. well, we've made some changes. Yeah. Yeah, so Jewels did claim, like, oh, we already asked for permission. We asked from your, like, marshal or military head leader. Mm. And, and the government were like, no, that's not how it works anymore. We are a democratic country now, as such. And so it, it become a big issue. Although, I'm not sure did uh, US get their tank back or not, but apparently a couple of people died, like 40? Yeah, so... Like, in that um, incident? So what happened was, uh, well, the funny bit to me is uh, they, they sent in their, like, crack helicopter yeah. uh, hostage rescue team. And uh, when they landed at Utapau to be, to go, they like were like, oh, let's meet at Utapau and then go and do this yeah. hostage rescue. Uh, the helicopters crashed at Utapau <laughs> and they all died. And then they oh, had God. to get another team in. Um, but yes, uh, then they, they, they attempted this hostage rescue and they mm. failed miserably and yeah. got a bunch of their own people yeah. killed. And then eventually yeah. the Camaros just released the hostages anyway. No, they, um, they executed them. They were they executed the hostages. Yeah, I thought they yeah maybe. No no no, oh. no the marines the oh, marines that the were hostages. left behind no. got executed. Yeah, okay. but the hostages, hostages were yeah. who were civilians were released. Um, All right. But yeah, this this sparked uh, as we said in uh, during this period there was already a lot of anti U.S. sentiment yeah. and then for the U.S. to continue uh, enacting their military will in the country with impunity or without permission. Uh, sparked a lot of people were uh, fuming. They were in yeah. They were like, "How could you do this to us? We have our own sovereignty, and you still do this." And and they believe like US was the legacy of the military, you know, the corruption military from uh, before the the uprising in like uh nineteen seventy three. So they feel like, "Oh my god, we have to get rid of this um imperialist." So they come out and they protest, mm-hmm. and I feel like they they did like. Um, asked the government to implement some action and I feel like they sent the uh, at the memorial I don't know to the US and they also called back our diplomat like to show how displeased mm-hmm. we are and like um, and US there was a come, riot like, at the US embassy yeah there, there was a lot of things and things like kind of like feel like they are about to get out of hand so the US had to well, you know yeah so I'll turn it down so like, <laughs> oh my god we are so sorry you're not gonna do this again and yeah, but it was well, really a big thing, and it was during the period of like uh during the Cold War where like major adjustment happened between the uh relationship between like three major powers, the USSR, the China, mm. and um um and USA, right? Um, so like so yeah, I, I'm just gonna say so there it was also like uh, uh during the period of like major adjustment where um the struggle there was some clash and conflict between struggle between three great power and so it also affect the internal politics and it also helped the uprising of the people as well. Yeah. Mm. However, I would say um, this definitely scared the US uh, because their, their strongest anti-communist ally in Southeast Asia was uh, teetering on the brink of, you know, not being a strong anti-communist ally with this, you know, very yeah. open leftist movements going on in the country. And then with the fall of uh, Wianjiang, Phnom Penh and uh, Saigon, this essentially laid the groundwork for uh, the 1976 coup and the, the massacres of 76 in Bangkok. Yeah. Well, um, if I might add, though, like back after, after the protests and after the, that situation, 
within my guess and thinking uh Thailand shift their foreign policy from like you know being dependency on US and like anti communist to more like neutral. So it called like um qua equa equi distant policy like to make equidistant. Yeah, to maintain equal relationship with every great power and to become like yep. friendly, peaceful, coexistent with communist neighbor instead of like and full on anti communist policy from back then. Yeah, this was quite a common. Uh, this is like the non-aligned movement stuff, right? Mm. Uh, quite typical of post-colonial states, actually, which kind of shows that yes, Thailand <laughs> was colonized <laughs> by the US up until this point. Um, so, so as 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 we said before, like the the in seventy six, Tanon is brought back very much with the help of the US um, to do a coup uh, in Thailand um, to get rid of that civilian government that we mentioned before, and uh, which led to the massacre of students at Tamasat University. And a big growth in the ranks of the Communist Party Thailand as many fled to the insurgents after the massacre. And uh, it's at this point that the US, frankly, are still very involved in uh, post-76. The US are still very much involved in aiding the Tanon government against the Communist Party Thailand, um, who was supported by the, uh, the Chinese at that point. Um, and this is where it gets kind of complicated when it comes to the Sino-Soviet split um, because we have this very complex geopolitical arrangement in uh, Southeast Asia in terms of Vietnam being very close to the Soviets, whereas the Khmer Rouge are very close to the Chinese, or very close, pretty close, um, and uh, Laos as well, trying to kind of toe that line. Um, and then eventually in what year was it? The Vietnamese invasion of 78. Yeah. So in 78, um, after the Khmer Rouge uh, invade, attempted several attempted invasions of Vietnam, uh, Vietnam goes into Cambodia and uh, boots out the Khmer Rouge. But don't worry, Khmer Rouge, your good friends in Thailand are here to help you. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's... Uh, Funny because I was talking to a very old friend of mine who's in his seventies, yeah. Thai guy, and he was saying about the anti-communist propaganda at the time, and Ooh. the way they portrayed it was, oh, uh, when the communists come in, they 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 basically described what happened in Cambodia. They're yeah. like, they'll come in, they'll empty the yeah. cities, uh, they'll force you all to be, uh, you know, peasants and work the rice farms and blah blah blah. And uh, not to mention a lot of people already living that in Thailand at the time, but yeah. they're describing what the Khmer Rouge did um, while simultaneously supporting the Khmer Rouge. So, um, I, I love yeah. that anti-communist propaganda. They had them drawn in like black pajamas as well, like yeah. the Khmer Rouge cadres. Or yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or so, Vietnamese, yeah. There's this like statement by the monk, if I remember correctly, the famous one. You probably heard it. The um, uh, to kill communists is not a sin. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You know who else said? And yeah, go on. <laughs> Someone <laughs> very important in the uh, hierarchy of. Time. We can say who. Really, I can say nine. Okay, yeah. the king. So basically yeah. said that. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. So the, and and as we said, like there's this really awkward geopolitics. So the 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 CPT. Um, 
Communist Party Thailand are being supported by China, while China is simultaneously supporting the Khmer Rouge and the Thai state are fighting the CPT and also supporting the Khmer Rouge. It's a geopolitical shit show. It's really hard. You kind of have to make this really elaborate timeline. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gang then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be smart. Um, so, okay, so, um, so, so, there was a lot of party, a lot of state coming to involve because, like, each have their own conflict uh, with each one and another. But they feel like, oh, you know, we can group together because we have the same interests. Because you see, like, China and US coming together after the Shanghai communicate, ping pong diplomacy, and now they're like, yeah, let's support Camarus, uh, to stop the USSR siding with the Vietnam. And coming in to liberate, etc., etc., and Thailand as an ally of both US and China now, official um, relationship well, with China. So, they this is like, I'm joining in. This is um, so what I wanted to get to, which is um, if we kind of like, I just want to kind of try to wrap things up a bit and skip ahead to the modern era um, mm. on, on two parts. So, the first is uh, there's a very interesting history of the Eastern Tigers. Uh, division, uh, which is the military unit that Prayut Channel Cha, the current prime minister, comes from. Um, that was founded in the 1950s to, as a anti-communist death squad to go to initially Korea and then Vietnam and the Lao border region and then the Cambodian border region where they really made a name for themselves or well, really made some money for made themselves. some money for themselves, uh, trading <laughs> and <laughs> and shit with the not <laughs> it wouldn't be yeah, I don't know with, with the Khmer Rouge, which enriched them greatly, and then out of the uh, Khmer Rouge insurgency against the Vietnam-backed Cambodian state, the Eastern Tigers Division became incredibly powerful, and that's how. That's, I mean, one of the main reasons why Prayut Chan Ocha uh, managed to get in a position to enact the coup, which he did, leading to his uh, premiership today. So just just a reminder of how these things kind of connect to the present. The other strand which kind of ties to now is once a, once a Communist Party Thailand insurgency ends in 1983, um, we see this kind of readjustment. So as we said, like China and Thailand have... Resolved any diplomatic issues they had. They're now buddies, um, have good relations. Uh, fall of the Soviet Union, uh, basically eliminates that communist threat. And, uh, we, we, we approach the kind of end of history era, which we are still currently in. And this is where we had our kind of other thesis, right? About the, the, the current state of is Thailand a colonized country today? So, have I skipped ahead too fast? Did we talk about this? Yeah, we talked about it last night. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, whatever. So, so, so the end of US military presence in Thailand, or the end of the large US military presence in Thailand after uh, the Vietnam aggression, and then finally wrapping up their air bases uh, in the 70s, led to what you could call modern Thailand in terms of foreign policy, right? Um, which is embracing international hegemonic capitalism, but without having the US directly holding up the puppet of the yeah. Thai leadership. It, it, now is the time of the financial institutions. Now is the time where, yes, exactly, financial institutions 
or the free market runs the country rather right. or, 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 or pulls the strings rather than the, the US explicitly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, rather than it being direct US uh, money, it's now like... Or US, US power. US power. Uh, well, yeah. It, it's now like vague intermediaries. Kind of, I, I, I would, I would, I would say it's like, like, and this is not just Thailand. This at this point, post fall of the Soviet Union, you know, the whole world is governed by these international, this very complex network and mechanisms of international trade, international uh, financial institutions, uh, and capital, essentially, right? Like you don't need the U.S. military to have a massive presence in Thailand anymore because oh, the market takes itself, control yeah. of that. Exactly. Um, right. And so that's, that's what's really interesting about the Tom Yang-gung crash in the 90s. Well, bef- oh, before I, that. I, I want to talk about some, just a brief late 80s to, to 90s. Go ahead. So, um, this is like something that is relevant because we are still at the end of the day talking about foreign policy. So the prime minister, um, from like, I can't remember, was it 88 to 91? Yeah, 88 to 90. Yeah, yeah. He had yeah. like, um, the, it was like Sawanapum, uh, like ah. foreign policy. Yeah. Do you want so to talk he, about that? Cause you, yeah, so, I, I, I was so excited <laughs> to talk about it, but you can talk about it. No, 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 no. I'm just going to add a little, because this is what every IR student learned, cause like doing his, the, the late Cold War, like 1980, it was like the shift from, um, the security dialogue and like the uh, stability between regionals into more of an economy. And then it linked with what you said before, like, uh, the US set up the, um, the mechanism, right? And then it found on itself because Thailand also like bringing it in and we also implementing it and also spreading it by like trying to set up this like a trade zone within the region. Yeah. And so yeah. Cha Cha, he said like, um, shame this, uh, uh, shame this region from being a war zone into a trading zone. Uh, That's right. He, yeah, yeah. In Thai, it's called like, Yeah. So that was the main uh, driven foreign policy in the late, like, uh, 1980, 1988 to, like, to the crisis, which you're going to mention about. Exactly. Vietnam. And what happens now is like, oh, Thailand is the center for commerce and for investment, right? So Thailand is seen as a investment investor as mm. well. Yeah, yeah. Region. Oh, this is the, the mass hub. industrialization yeah. as well, guys. And yeah. so... When you get to 97, post 97, Thailand is no longer trusted so much. Well, hold on, let's. But yeah, I know, I know. That's, that's why I I wanted to jump in before. So, 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 yeah, as you were saying, you know, this massive economic development in the late 80s and 90s, uh, leads to Thailand being a a very strong exporter. Um, I feel like, producer uh, and exporter. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the fifth tiger, is it during the same period that this one? Um, I I, I swear this was still like, I thought this was still like Thailand was a little dragon. Because uh-huh. for some reason, economists really like to call Asian economies either oh, yeah. dragons or tigers or uh-huh. some shit like uh-huh. that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, so, so Thailand is essentially... And also, you, this, is, this kind of ties into the, the, the shape of internal politics in the 1990s where you have all of these different you know, what they would call like post-ideological parties that essentially were just all parties of capital jostling to have control over the country. Um, and th- this is a real, uh, how to describe it, pre-Texan uh, Thai politics is, you know, it's like, 
it's one-sided. Like it's not a two-party system. It's an eight-party system, but really, it's a one-party system. The time of elite oligarchy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and so up until the so the Tom Yang Gung crash in '97 um, was the because the Thai baht was so high and Thailand was doing a lot of exports. It was getting hurt a lot by uh, by that exchange rate, and so the 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 idea was to uh, float the Thai baht on the foreign exchange rates on the foreign exchange to essentially bring the bring the value of the baht down so as to gain more money from the um, from exports, but it absolutely catastrophically backfired and that was the Tom Yang Gung crash where the market was you know eviscerated over the course of uh, like a month after the crash there's a really there's quite an interesting brief window of kind of recolonization in the old sense but with new techniques which was the IMF and the World Bank imposing themselves on the Thai economy briefly until taxing I'm not sure if I can add much, but I feel like um, if if you look through IR lens, it's really, really the period of um, liberal side, liberal school. If I the liberal international order. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, the corporation, we got this like international organization to like bind us together for a better world peace and etc. etc. But as you said, we I feel like it's just like um, a mechanism and a tool to spread the US or the Western side kind of. Uh, sphere of influence to Thailand and I feel like the way you phrase it like the mechanism that won by yourself where US no longer have to pace himself here is like kind of like it's clicking and I feel like yeah maybe that's the case and you see like Thailand joined the IMF become like such a good um, state uh, how do a member state in those like institute and organization so yeah I mean the, the, the IMF and the World Bank they basically there were all of these um Western companies that were, or maybe not even Western, you know, Japanese as well, uh, South Korea. Oh, Japan is Japanese, like, yeah. come to Thailand, like, a large, a lot of company mm. industrial from Japan, like, they influx into Thailand, I feel mm. like, back in those, like, the same period. Industrialization yeah, yeah, yeah. and thinking, yeah. And so, in the, after the 97 crash, the IMF and the World Bank essentially imposed these bailout terms on Thailand where they said, okay, we'll bail out your economy, but so we'll give you all of these billions and billions of dollars, but you have to give it directly to those companies that you, um, that have gone into debt that are within your country, which were Western, Japanese, whatever, foreign companies. So the IMF and the World Bank just used Thailand as a, Essentially, how to say it, like... Like a bypass? Yeah, 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 yeah. To, to, to bail out these massive private corporations, yeah. which fucked up the time. Yeah. But basically, like, um, with the, with the um, establishment of uh, IMF and all those institutions in Thailand, right, it seemed like they have the autonomy over Thai state, and which later mm-hmm. on in Thaksin period, there was this famous quote where, like, IMF is not my father, or IMF is not our father. Yeah, 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 yeah. See? Also quickly, during the taxing government, this, you know, not to say taxing was much of a comrade, uh, he did send troops to Iraq, which uh, made George Bush very happy. Right? Oh, the uh, 9-11 incident, right? And then it lead to like, are you friendly with us or are you not? Like, if you are yeah, one yeah, of yeah, us, yeah. you should act. And if you're not acting, then you are not our, our ally. The coalition of the willing. 
But anyway, mm-hmm. I, I heard like if you're not sending or if you're not joining, they will cut everything off. So Thailand, yeah. After Thailand yeah. send troop or like uh, help the US with this, they earn themselves a status of like both yes. partnership, strategic partnership. I'm yeah. not sure of the. It, it was yeah. It was so a it's high it's status. It's um not the major ally. Yeah. So it's uh. Basically, they sent 400 non-combat troops, but this was really important for international relations, like UN stuff, right? Because it shows that yeah. there are, you know, this big coalition of countries across the world who are hostile to Iraq and support the US in their invasion. And, uh, yeah, they earned themselves the title of, uh, you, you know, what was it? Non-NATO major ally. That's the one. So yeah. essentially, it's the closest thing. <laughs> Basically, they can't make you a member of NATO officially because you're not in the North Atlantic. Although, are, yeah, well, are Australia in NATO? No, I guess uh, not. I think so. Yeah, maybe. Well, it's as close as you can get to being a NATO member without officially being a NATO member, yeah. right? And it came um, with a lot of benefit. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it means that yeah. uh, the, the it, it's like an official designation. It's not just a term of endearment. Oh, no, I take it back. But Australia is not in NATO, as far as I can see. Okay, um, okay. so basically, it means that Thailand can uh, receive uh, DOD, that like, can bid on like DOD contracts, and can get access to all this kind of uh, military technology and what have you from the states. So we're we're kind of going towards the you know the end here, but uh, with the rise of Taxin, which obviously we've done an episode on, um, it's interesting that. A lot of the old comrades went to support Taksin and um, you can see Taksin creating this two-party system, almost a two-party system or something akin to it. And that was enough for the military to step back in, you know. Um, And I would argue that people like Prayut, who, you know, if we say Prayut, was one of the many coups of the Taksin dynasty in that he could uh, Taksin's sister. Um, I think Prayut really is a... What Prayut has kind of based himself on is these old Sarit Tanan figures, which yeah. they themselves are based on Pibun, yeah. right? And so you can see this. This is a Western influence. Pray, Prayut is... In many, many, many ways, a Western creation. Yeah, His thought- military unit that got him into power was literally created by the West. And the concept of this kind of Thai leader, which is seen as being very Thai, no, this is a Western import, right? US legacy. Of ideas. Yeah, exactly. And so, right. just one more thing I'd say, uh, since we're on to the modern period, is... Oh, this is what we were talking about last night. The the, the, the strongman... The, the, yeah, th- yeah. That's what we were referring to. Uh, oh, okay. I got you. I remember that. Uh-huh. Um, and then this this kind of... Bring, to bring us to the modern day, I would say that, yes, mechanisms, international mechanisms, which are ultimately working for Western interests, still govern Thailand. And you can make an argument that Thailand is still colonized or partially... Is still partially colonized by the West as it has been ever since the mid... 1800s. Um, however, there is still a US presence in Thailand. I spoke to somebody who shall not be named, who is a mid-level Thai officer in the, mm-hmm. the Thai military. And shall I just read out the chat that I had <laughs> with him? <laughs> like... <laughs> 
So, 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 like, I, I also wanted to read this out to kind of counter some of this bullshit narrative that, like, oh, Prayut is actually we should like, like, this is only for Aang say this, like, oh, we should uh, support Prayut and the king because they are uh, doing anti anti imperialist, anti US because yeah. they're friendly with China. Yeah. Uh, so this is trash. So um, the 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 Thai military and the US military are still pretty very deeply intertwined, and so I want to read out this little chat. Um, I said, hey, I wanted to ask you about the military again. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, he says, the Thai military still do training with the US regularly. The countries have officer exchange programs that are constantly running. Um, currently, the US Air Force officer is working in my office, which is a restricted area, and that the US have access to Thai military restricted files. Um, blah, 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 really? blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, um, there are Thai officers in the US too, constantly on exchanges, and also uh, the military does a lot of business with US companies. He says, we buy stuff from Russia and China too, but we don't have as good as a relationship with those two as with the US. Yeah. And also he said, um, like, the, the Thai royalty will never fly on anything made by Russia or China. Or China. Only fly on US stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, uh, he says there's a lot of like ex-US military that are teaching at the Royal Military Academy. Let me just keep reading here. Oh, and then I asked, uh, are there any Chinese officers in all of Thailand? He said, none that I've ever heard of. <laughs> um, Air Force chiefs constantly discriminate against Chinese products. They don't trust what's made in China. Uh and, and then he said, uh, the Royal Thai Military Academies are completely modeled after their U.S. counterparts. The Thai military also send cadets to West Point, USA, FA, Annapolis every year. None are sent to China. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, there, there is very much still this uh, close relationship. Thai relationship. Thai. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not mm. surprised. <laughs> But like off the court though, if I can add like off the court to tell you guys, like uh, CIA always still around in Thailand and like when. Yeah, oh God, like, really yeah, that's so. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, also, we, we actually definitely should have mentioned earlier as well the, the black sites, right? So the CIA, oh, they've yeah. been found to be using uh, black sites in Thailand at Thai uh, military bases where they, you know, torture people with impunity. Oh. Um, that was under the taxing government, but from what I hear, that, that, that carried on, you know. Uh, and just one more thing on current US involvement, military involvement in Thailand. I don't think I've told this story on the podcast before, but um, so I was like in a bunch of Facebook job groups for Chiang Mai because I used to live there. And I saw this post on it once, which was, you remember this? <gasps> yeah. I saw this post on it once, which was uh, in Thai. And it was like in Thai language, right? And it was like looking for Thai teachers to teach Farang basic Thai. And mm -hmm. uh, and then in, in the post, it said, uh, the students will be US military personnel uh, at Chiang Mai Air Force Base. I was like, wait, 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 wait. That's weird. <laughs> uh, and so I did some snooping with some friends and mm -hmm. we found the company which 
how to say it was like the email address from it was like just some secretary i guess it was like some yeah, yeah. thai kunpa whatever and uh her email address was at this company which was um it's registered in konken and it's run by this foreign guy should we say his name uh it's pretty generic it's um and he lives in konken and we looked up his company and uh they bid on dod contracts so you can actually see and they receive dod contracts so you can actually see them receiving like hundreds of thousands of dollars to do like quite sus stuff it might be sus it might not but it's like you can you can see like the contract is like uh $30,000 for water bottles uh you know uh, and then it's like $12 for gasoline uh 30 $35,000 for vehicle repairs like stuff like this is is mm, mm, mm. weird and it's all in konken right so mm, there's 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 sneaky stuff going on and then That's when you weird. think about like why are there why are there US military at Thai Air Force Base in Chiang Mai? Oh. I asked that guy who I quoted mm-hmm. from earlier and he was like, oh, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Um, well, one actual kind of aside, I've just seen on likes mm-hmm. that he's got um, the Civilian Demine Association and TMAC, which actually makes sense because a lot the United States is involved in a lot of the demining operations on the, especially the Cambodian border mm-hmm. because of all the mines that were, that yeah. were laid in the K2 uh, so K5 border um, so that makes sense there's like, no mines in Chiang Mai though exactly right that makes sense in on that border but yeah their presence elsewhere is like it's what? sus it's sus and, and, and I think US still do use Utapal for some stuff and also the the port in Pattaya as well for Navy stuff. Mm. So, what does that leave us? Was Thailand a colonized country? I would argue pretty much. Okay. As a Thai national citizen, nationalist, citizen, <laughs> nationalist loyalist person, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's always uh, if you talk, if you mention this. A uh, super power major that never leave Thai soil, isn't it? So you can you can say probably partly being colonized, but I will not I will not go like to the extreme extent of like a hundred percent colonization. But I would say mm. like yeah, partly. Well, it's definitely not the colon- colonialism of the of the European powers, like the the, the classical colonialism that you see. Um, in other parts of Asia and then Africa and then Latin America. I, I would say, though, that if we look at the kind of foundational elements of colonialism, it would be, number one, imposing your leadership on a faraway peoples, right? Which absolutely happened in the yeah. Cold War era. Um, controlling that economy would also, like, to your own gain. Absolutely, yes, that also happened. Um, what are some other foundational aspects of colonialism? Extraction. Yeah, extraction, yeah. exactly, yeah. Resources. Um, yeah, extract, yeah. Uh, that's mainly the two. A- a- and also conducting that country's foreign policy, which also happened. Yeah. So I, I think there's a very strong argument to make there. Um, mm-hmm. 
And as for today, well, damn, we're just all underwater, right? <laughs> all living in the under the sea of um, capitalist hegemony. So, yeah, so it goes. All right, call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. You got a train. I got a every time. What? Every time. You've always got to go down. Every time. All right. Um, Kay, thank you so kindly. We will have you you back on as soon as possible. (laughs) Yes. And um, Samai, have a lovely train journey. And yeah. Oh, oh, and one more thing. Yeah. Happy anniversary, baby. It's our one-year anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. coming up. Oh, we're gonna go out for it. So how does it yeah, feel yeah, yeah, yeah. to be on the, hum- oh, you're on the, the year anniversary, anniversary episode. episode? Oh, I'm glad. I appreciate it. Oh. Can you wish us congratulations, please? Congratulations. I hope you continue oh. to do it so for so many years. A lot so of income, too. a lot of knowledge oh, going yeah. out, a lot of people following. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go out for a candlelit dinner. Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, I can't. Well, you can't. Uh, yeah. I'm just gonna. You like, can. I'm just gonna light a candle. Yeah. With the other, <laughs> the other ding dang that's so cool. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, thanks. Don't forget thanks to for the year visit, uh, and um, give us money. Yeah. Uh, uh, forward slash support Send us money, um, etc. etc. Thank, Thank you guys. Bye. 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 Bye.